The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 60. This is a ninth episode where we'll be looking at the Book of Romans in a series I'm calling Christianity 101. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Before we get into Chapter 7, let's recall what Paul has told us so far in the first six chapters. In the first few chapters, Paul made sure that everybody understood that everyone, all of us, had sinned, had a broken relationship with God that needed reconciliation, that needed someone to come and make it right, and the one who came and made it right was Jesus. He went on to say that the wages of sin were death, that some penalty needed to be paid, but then went on to talk about grace, how God had paid that penalty through Jesus. In chapter 6, he encouraged us then since we had died to sin with Christ's death, that we should leave it behind, that we should leave that old life behind. In chapter 7, he deals with that theme as well as a new theme, which is, why is it so darn hard? The first part of chapter 7 begins this way, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over man only as long as he lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, We have been released from the law so that we could serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So again, this theme that Paul has here in terms of the law, this set of regulations by which we try to earn our way to God. And as we read law in Romans, that should be our understanding is it's not just a series of rules, but it's also a series of rules by which we earned our way. And that that didn't work. The law couldn't save anybody. It didn't have power to save. And so Christ dies, we are freed from the law just as a woman would be freed from her marriage if her husband died. And so that's the analogy here, that's the illustration. So now that we have died to the law, so now that we no longer have to try and earn our way there, we've been raised so that we might bear fruit to God. Again, like Paul said earlier in the book, it's not so much that we're freed from the law so that we can go on sinning, but we're freed from trying to earn our way there. We're brought into a relationship the same way that woman who has remarried is brought into a relationship with a second husband. So now we're brought into a relationship with God where we can respond to God, but we're not trying to earn anything. We're not bound anymore. We've been released by the old law so we can serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. It's as if we have been freed from a loveless marriage to the law. And we are reborn into this relationship full of love. But, as Paul goes on, it's not always as easy as that sounds like. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. 
But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. And though the commandment put me to death, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me by no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. Okay, now that just seems a little complicated. Let's break that down. You've probably seen this illustration that Paul is talking about. He said, if he hadn't gotten a commandment, do not covet. If he hadn't known it was wrong to look at what your neighbor has and not want it, not be jealous of it, he wouldn't have had that desire. The best illustration I've seen was we went to a Taco Bell one time and a woman said to her son, probably about five years old, before she went and got some hot sauce, now don't touch the food. I don't know why she felt she had to tell him that. But of course, he probably hadn't thought about touching the food until he found out it wasn't allowed. And then sure enough, just as she turns her back, he unwraps the food and touches it (laughs) and then wraps it back up again. And that's the way that we respond to the law. That's the way Adam and Eve responded to that one fruit that they couldn't eat in the garden. It wasn't that they were hungry. It wasn't that there weren't many other good-looking fruit. It's just that one thing that they couldn't do. Because of that, sin springs up in response to that rule. If you don't have rules, you can't break them. Once you have rules, it shows the state of our heart. Our heart is already in that state, but it's made manifest through the law coming, is the idea that Paul is saying here. Sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment. So we were already in this state of sin. Sin, when Paul uses it in Romans, usually with no S at the end, sin is that state of separation from God. So we were already in that state of sin, and then once we have the commandment, then we... the the sin takes advantage of that opportunity and produces covetous desires in the case that Paul was using. So the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the rules. There's nothing wrong with these are the things that please God, that these are the things that God wants us to do or not do because they are for our good, in fact. But they help us recognize sin. What the law does, and the reason why the law was given first before Christ came is then we get to recognize sin as sin. In order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good. It wouldn't have worked, is the idea here, for God to just forgive us if God didn't let us try and do it on our own, if God didn't give us the law first to see that we needed something more than that. That's the kind of the idea here. And then Paul goes on to say, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. 
As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul himself says, we are still, even at this point, on the other side of the cross, we are still in a broken and fallen world, we are still not completely restored. We are still in this state where we are prone to sin and we do the things we don't want to do. And by doing so, we show that the law is good. We show that there is righteousness in the law, but not in us. What a depressing sort of paragraph this is. It basically is saying that we're helpless to sin. We're sold as a slave to sin. And it is intended to be this paragraph that talks about a situation that sounds hopeless. Because, Paul continues, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then Paul provides the answer. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So Paul is, at this point, pretty much finished describing the wretched state that we find ourselves in apart from Christ, and even, in reality, the state that we still find ourselves in, that we are still imperfect, that sanctification, that process by which the Holy Spirit is making us holy, is incomplete and imperfect in this life. But he doesn't leave us there. Paul doesn't leave us there. God doesn't leave us there because he isn't asking a rhetorical question when he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? It's a question for which Paul does have that answer. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Within us is a battle. A war is being waged in my mind. But Paul says there is a victory, there is a victor, and that victor is Jesus. And with that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. Stay tuned next week for Romans 8 as we continue on through Paul's systematically explaining his understanding of the faith for this church in Rome where he has not yet been. If you have any comments, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? 
I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.